My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to Squanderlust, the podcast about the emotional side of money why our actions aren't always as good as our intentions, and what we can do about it. I'm Martha Lawton. And I'm Alex Lemon. And we're your hosts. Today on Squanderlust, why people act like ostriches when they get in debt. And why there really is nothing you could tell a debt advisor that they haven't heard before. Today we're going to be talking about getting debt advice. Or, more particularly, not getting debt advice. When you really could, and you probably really should. So we're going to be talking about what happens when people are really struggling with their debts and could be going to speak to a professional for free because the UK has plenty of places that you can go to for free advice when you are struggling with your debts. And See, we'll... I didn't even know that. Yeah. <laughs> so this is where I'm coming from today is I didn't even know this. Yeah. So I'm going to be asking lots of questions from a position of ignorance, which hopefully will be helpful. <laughs> Not a little exposing. <laughs> no, no. And this is one of the key issues for why people don't get the advice that's available. So today is all about not just some of the practical reasons, but some of the emotional reasons why people don't even go looking for advice, why they don't necessarily get advice. Obviously, one of the key reasons from a practical perspective is they don't know it exists mm. or they don't think that someone like them could qualify to get it. Yeah, um, we got some stats and that's apparently 23% of people. It's yeah. just a lot of people don't even yeah. know that help is available, including me now. Yeah. So today we're going we're gonna to talk about some of the reasons why people don't get that advice. We're going to obviously focus particularly on some of those emotional reasons. And then at the end of the episode, we're going to talk a bit about what actually happens when you do go for debt advice, to, because a lot of the reasons why people don't go are out kind of fear and shame. Mm. Surprise, surprise. Mm. And, you know, we've said before, fear and shame sort of exist where there are shadows. So shining mm. a light on this process, hopefully, will mm. help people to be less frightened, less worried about, you know, it being a very shameful experience to speak to an advisor. You'll know a little bit more about what would be coming. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So for the probably many of you who don't know anything about debt advice in the UK, mm -hmm. we have a number of big 
charitable organisations who do debt advice for free for whoever is struggling with their money. And they are actually the gold standard of debt advice in this country. I want to be really, really clear about that. You get a better service from going to one of the charitable organisations than you will do from um, paying for a private company to give you debt advice. And that's because with the charitable organisations, they have some sort of really key guiding principles about being independent, about being impartial, um, about complete confidentiality. And, and the independence and impartiality means that they are, they're not biased towards any particular solution for you. In other words, they're not trying to sell you a solution that will profit them. Mm. And unfortunately, the private sector providers of debt advice usually make their money by selling you a particular debt solution, which mm. is profitable for them mm. and may not be the best fit for you. Mm. So there are some really serious issues with the private sector debt advice. So the big name charitable organisations are really our kind of top end for where you should go to. And there are kind of three big names that I particularly want to name check. There's National Deadline. Full disclosure, National Deadline are run by the Money Advice Trust, who are one of my freelance clients. National Deadline are, they do guided self-help. So if you're reasonably educated and you have the emotional bandwidth to go and handle your debts yourself, but you just need some advice about how to go about it, National Deadline would be a good fit for you. They're a telephone-only service, but they also have lots of great online resources that you can just pick up and look at yourself. So handy if you have that kind of, like I said, some capability of your own to deal with it. There's Step Change, who are also telephone and online only, but they will do casework for you. So in other words, they will take over your case, your situation, and contact creditors on your behalf and work to do those negotiations with your creditors on your behalf to try and provide a better solution for you for your for your debt issues. And then finally, there are citizens advice bureaus and your local law centres who will do a face-to-face, -face, usually what we call a casework service, which again is they'll take over for you and they will contact your creditors for you and they will negotiate on your behalf with your creditors or advise one of the legal solutions that's also available. And I just wanted to say, because again, this is something a lot of people don't really realise, that there's a really broad range of possible solutions to debts. Mm. So it's not just struggle, 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 bankruptcy, mm. which I think is a perception that a lot of people have. Yeah, You know, that there are only really two things. It's either live, and, live on bread and water mm. until it's all paid off yeah. or bankruptcy. Yeah. <laughs> And actually, there are a whole range of things that a debt advisor might be able to negotiate, including freezing interest and charges for a few months just to get you some breathing space. Or negotiate, they might be able to negotiate reduced payments for a while with kind of review periods, mm -hmm. again, to just give you a bit of breathing space. Or they might be able, if you are sort of particularly vulnerable or struggling, they might be able to apply for a grant for you to get a small lump sum of money to pay something off for you. And then again, that would give you some room to repay elsewhere and rebalance your budget. So there are lots of things they can do that stop short of that kind of very final legal solution. Mm. So talking earlier about private companies and solutions, and not saying that all private companies are terrible, it's just probably quite difficult to navigate which ones are good if you don't really know the yeah. landscape anyway. But yeah. one thing that I sort of 
just pops into my head of like jingles from TV and things like that is um, debt consolidation type things. Yes. And I remember mentioning them to you once and you were like, mm, they're not very good. And I just know that from around. I don't even know. And I've never used one. I don't really know what's involved. But I was quite surprised, you know, when it's so sort of something that so strongly just pops to mind because yeah. heavy marketing yeah, yeah, to yeah, find yeah, out yeah. that it's really not what is on the tin in a way yeah well it's not that it's it's not that it's not what's on the tin it's that they're usually an inappropriate solution for people and the the main issue is actually an emotional one the main problem with debt consolidation so if the reason you're in debt is that you've been living beyond your means right every month you're just overspending a bit of money and putting it on the credit card and hoping that next month you'll do better then you're not managing your spending to be within your income. Or for some reason, your income is too low for your spending. So a consolidation loan doesn't fix that. All it does is usually it will reduce your monthly payments. So you feel like you've got a bit more wiggle room in your budget. You feel actually richer. Mm, right. And if you're already overspending every month, yeah. making you feel richer is not going to help you deal with that overspending. So often what happens is people will consolidate. In other words, they will use a consolidation, take out a consolidation loan and use that to pay off all their existing credit card and other loan debt. But if they don't then cancel those credit cards, the temptation is then to start overspending on the credit cards again right. immediately which people often will do and then you've got not just the consolidation loan debt but all of the credit card debt again mm. that you were using mm. before and you end up in twice as much trouble and often people will go through two three cycles of consolidation before they actually get to a point of real crisis and not being able to do that anymore because they've kind of just fobbed themselves off with a bit of an emotional sticking plaster exactly and a financial sticking plaster right it feels like being responsible because yeah. i've i've organized this thing with my finances but it's not tackled the root cause exactly that exactly that yeah yeah which is your runaway emotions <laughs> yeah yeah it feels like a sensible responsible solution because you've you usually have got something that's on a lower interest rate mm. than your credit card was mm. but it's not that much lower it's not always lower. And sometimes consolidation loans are also secured against your property, which credit cards aren't. So if you don't pay your credit card, you're not going to lose your house. If you don't pay your consolidation loan and it's secured against your home, you may lose your home. Right. And that's why the interest rate is lower, because it's a secured debt. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And also because it's because loans generally are a lower interest rate than credit cards. So there are lots of reasons why consolidation is often actually quite a dubious answer and it is much more as you say sort of punting the issue off into the future mm. rather than actually fixing it now so with that sort of background detail in mind let's talk a bit about um some of the sort of emotional stuff that mm. stops people from so like i've said there are free advice services out there those free advice services will will help you with lots of broad range of solutions that are not just, you know, live on nothing or go bankrupt. And yet, almost 30% of people in financial difficulty admit that they waited between three to four years before reaching out for some kind of debt advice. And while, you know, not knowing what was available is definitely an issue, 
there are lots of reasons why, yeah, why why people don't do it. I mean, three to four years, though, that's not like three to four years of spending money and, oh, now I've got a problem. That's three yeah. to four years of I've been spending money and I've already got a problem yeah. and I'm ignoring it for four years. Yeah, it's hugely <laughs> stressful. Yeah. Hugely stressful. I'm stressed just thinking about that. Yeah, I mean, and there's a survey from PayPlan, which is one of the... They are a death device provider in the UK and they said 73% of people were feeling worried at that time, 40% were feeling scared, half, about roughly half were embarrassed and 41% were feeling ashamed before seeking death advice. So people exist in this horrible state of fear and shame, but feeling too paralysed to do anything about it. So you'd think if people were feeling that terrible, they would want a solution. But yeah, often people aren't going. And there are practical barriers, you know, funding right now is very tight for a lot of those debt advice agencies for lots of reasons. And, mm. and they do have issues around waiting times, particularly for face-to-face -face advice. Mm. But that actually is a reason why if you are at all worried about your borrowing becoming unaffordable, you should go sooner rather than later. Because the sooner you get help, the less that waiting time is going to impact on you're not in crisis yet, mm. right? You don't want to be going to the debt advice mm. and having a waiting time when you're already, you know, on countdown to eviction. But also there are more solutions the sooner you go. The debt advisors have a much broader range of possible options to offer you to, to help you the sooner you go. So waiting makes it much harder and reduces those options. We mentioned National Deadline and they did do some research about why it is that people... Don't go for debt advice, some of the emotional stuff. We've got people being too stressed, too ashamed. I thought I could sort my debt out without seeking advice. I think this is a really interesting mm. one. I think especially for anybody whose self-concept is of being really, like, in other areas of their life, a confident mm. person mm. or a competent person. Although that's just a very long, long-winded way of saying shame. <laughs> Mm. I thought I could sort it out. Like that is that is a classic kind of shame response of I thought I could sort it out because I'm that person because I shouldn't be the other kind of person. Yes, that is actually it's very much shame related. Um, yeah. To be honest, like most of these things will come back. I'm a big proponent of shame. You can listen no. to the whole episode that I ran <laughs> this time earlier on in this series about shame. Love it. I mean, obviously not itself, but <laughs> understanding the concept of shame. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it is a really great episode mm. and I absolutely loved being like 2IC for once instead <laughs> of <laughs> leading the whole thing. Yeah, almost all of these are actually about, about shame of mm. one kind or another. I tried to ignore my debts because I couldn't face dealing with them. That's your, that's your shame that's away shame, response. Yeah, it's an away, away response to shame screen, yeah. Yeah, I was too stressed because of other circumstances is very understandable. When mm. you know that the major reasons why people get into debt are not that overspending mm. that I talked about with the consolidation loans. The majority of reasons why people get into debt are bereavement and relationship breakdown and redundancy and serious illness and injury and those kind of things. So having other life circumstances that just meant that mm. dealing with your debts was not a priority. Overwhelm. Yeah, exactly. So that's completely understandable I was worried that I would be judged or criticised so that's a real misconception about debt advisors that mm. they're going to just wag a finger at you and my debt advice friends and colleagues really talk about how frustrating it is you know they get they get clients coming in and, mm. and saying oh, I bet you've never seen anything as bad as this <laughs> <laughs> sounds like people putting off going to the dentist oh it well. totally yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah it's exactly the same thing it's exactly the same thing except it's 
much less painful to go to a debt <laughs> advisor. I might add that that, oh, you've never seen anything as bad as this, is something that debt advisors literally hear on a daily basis. Mm. They say they get one a day, at mm. least, who says mm. that to them. So, yeah. Um, or I've been so stupid. Um, I bet you think I've been really stupid. Mm. No, no, <laughs> we don't. No. It's okay. We're used to it. This is literally what happens all the time. It's what we're here for. I say we. I'm, I train debt advisors. I don't ever give debt advice myself. This is an interesting one. I was worried about the impact on my credit rating. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Um, that's the kind of, I'm not looking, so it can't be getting worse. Yes, exactly that. It's such an ostrich response. Yeah. Like... By the time you go to a debt advisor, firstly, you've seen early enough, a debt advisor can probably prevent your credit rating from being trashed. Not going to see a debt advisor will probably trash your credit rating. But if you're putting it off for three, four years, honestly, by the time you're seeing that debt advisor, your, your credit rating is probably a mess <laughs> already. Mm. You've, got, you've got an inch for it to fall. That's mm. it. <laughs> you know, it's not going to go crashing down from some magically wonderful high place. Mm. If you've been putting it off for this long, chances are you've been missing payments and it's already pretty terrible. And so you might as well hit rock bottom and start building again. Or not, because as I said, a lot of the solutions that debt advisors actually have for you will help preserve it. And they can take that into account or at the very least give you the information. Mm. And then the last one, which is... Again, I find really sad. I was worried my family or partner would find out I had debts. Mm. Which, again, is a shame response. Yeah, it is. It's like classic, you know, feeling like you're not worthy of love and belonging, mm. which is the definition of shame. They'll dislike you or hate you or, you know... Because, Reject you. Yeah, yeah, because you haven't uh, done the right thing. Yeah, I mean, it's only 5% who say that, but I do think that one's a really sad one because it says something about your relationships if you're hiding that from people yeah so there are some practical reasons obviously in there as well but I, I think those emotional ones are really massive and, and they are magically intruded in state shame so we're going to pause there for a little break and we'll come back and talk about a bit more of the psychology that's been researched hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com tapiphone tap iPhone. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back. We're talking about the emotional reasons why people don't go to see a debt advisor, even though debt advice in the UK can be had for free and it's impartial and independent and confidential. There was a consumer market research agency called 2CV and they wanted to look a little bit at some of the actual psychological traits that underlie some of the issues around why people don't get debt advice. So we've talked previously about what people will say themselves Mm. about the reasons, but there are actually some really key psychological traits that they found. And the first one was um, what they call projection bias, which is being either overly optimistic or overly pessimistic, but not hitting the realistic point in the middle, which is actually about where the solution is. In other words, people either think, it'll be fine, I don't need to see a debt advisor, I'll work it out somehow, or it's so terrible, debt advisor couldn't do anything for me anyway, there's no point. Yeah, the black and white thinking that we talked about in series one. Yes. Going to say episode seven. But maybe that wasn't right. But yeah, we talked about... <laughs> I think the, it's five. Is it? Oh, maybe. It feels like an odd number, but uh, series one. Find series it there. one. Um, we talked about black and white thinking and, and the need to actually occupy the uncomfortable grey area mm. where action actually can happen. Yeah. Because at the extremes, this is not going to do anything. No. No, 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 no. So overly optimistic, there's no cause for, for action. Overly pessimistic, there's no point. Mm. So that's absolutely what happens. And then that's compounded by something called confirmation bias, which we haven't talked about yet, mostly because <laughs> there isn't anything you can do about oh, it. Oh, no, like confirmation bias. When I found out about it, you know, it is a concept. I was truly horrified. Yeah. It's it's such a murky, scary thing, and it just permeates everything. everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it essentially involves accepting unquestioningly anything that supports your existing point of view and rejecting or heavily questioning anything that challenges it. So, <laughs> yeah, like even when you're given like if you have a particular standpoint like in the test they do like hey, I have a particular standpoint and they give you information that like, overwhelming information that's against you, you'll still think the information agrees with you. <laughs> it's yeah, really or, terrifying. Or or is so flawed that you can completely discount yeah. it. And people do that around their debts and mm-hmm. debt advice. So they will only be attentive to those things that confirm either their optimistic or their pessimistic biases. Mm. They'll look for situations where debt advice has not worked for somebody or where somebody didn't get on with their debt advisor or they'll look for situations where somebody won the lottery Mm. just as their debts were getting out of hand or whatever (laughs) it might be or got a massive promotion or Mm. anything like that. So, yeah, unfortunately, that one is it will trip you up. And then the last one has the... um, excessively complicated name of hyperbolic discounting. I know, that sounds like some dreadful physics slash accountancy kind of love child. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Ooh, <laughs> no, I'm feeling creepy. But it's just the preference for small benefits now rather than greater benefits later. So people mm. would rather keep spending and keep having their nice things yeah. now than have the much greater benefit of going mm. through a period of 
reduced spending yeah. in order to get rid of their debts. It's like those tests they do with children where they offer, offer them like three pencils now or five pencils and a unicorn sticker later and they all go three pencils now. Which was what came up in our um, uh, discussions with Sharan. From, oh, yes. Um, <laughs> yes, of course. From my bank. Yeah, um, when they work with children about learning about a delayed gratification. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I think those things between them, I mean, they're all innate psychological traits. We all have them to a greater or lesser extent and they will mess you up. Mm. <laughs> and and essentially your debts have to get bad enough and somebody has to make that advice appealing enough that you will overcome those psychological traits and just go for it. <laughs> there are a couple of additional things that can affect it. When we spoke to Money A&E, they talked about there being some additional barriers for minority ethnic groups. They were an organisation that we spoke to in Series 2. Yes. So you can find the episode on that if you want yeah. to hear about how debt advisors actually give debt and how they approach people and how they're very nice. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but they were talking particularly around black Asian minority ethnic groups and, and some of the additional barriers that they face and some of the mistrust of... So what are seen as formal agencies, which debt advisors can, can seem to be part of kind of authority figures that may be unsympathetic or unhelpful. Mm. So there's that as an additional barrier as well. And then Centre for Research in Social Policy also said there are some specific additional barriers to men seeking debt advice. Mm. <laughs> Sigh. Mm-hmm. Masculinity, it does not always help mm. men. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't. It's one of those things where men are stitched up by their own constructs, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, also related to shame. Yeah. So getting debt advice is seen as being a woman's thing. It's a woman's role to get debt advice. Yeah, the sort of household admin type end of yeah, where you might see finance as being. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's sort of asking for advice of any kind is obviously a, a step down and mm. an insult to male pride. Right, yeah. So that can be a problem. It's the driving around in your car without asking for directions, but with money. Yes, yeah. <laughs> very much that, getting more and more lost yeah. and running out of petrol. There's a sort of range of emotional responses like anger and denial, which can be more intense in men, I think. And then there's the overconfidence in their financial situation. And then, you know, a same thing we were talking about, lack of awareness and understanding of advice services. But the last one I thought was really interesting, which is lack of self-confidence and social skills perceived to be necessary to seek advice. I thought that was really interesting because yeah. the idea that there are specific social skills. Yeah, like you don't know maybe how to talk about your situation fluidly or you can't. Maybe they don't feel like they can articulate it in the right words. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting to think, you know, I guess it's just the thing of, well, other people are better at talking about themselves and I just don't easily talk about myself. Maybe yeah, actually, yeah. Given given the the number of debt situations that arise from some kind of personal vulnerability, I can see it. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. And not that being that, you know, criticizing men for that, it's, it's sort of, you know, the way society has been built. Is, exactly. Uh, by men. Um, <laughs> has sort of, you know, puts, paints people into corners in all sorts of ways. And when, yeah, you know, it's yeah. awful that men feel that they can't talk openly and use vocabulary that women are allowed to use freely. Yes, mm. absolutely. Yeah, men not feeling like they can reach out and get support when they need it is very destructive mm. for them and people around them. Mm. Absolutely. So all of that stuff compounds together. And we, we did say at the top some of the stuff that, <laughs> that you can do, which is to contact a debt mm. advisor. In the UK, we don't have details for internationally what kind of services exist, but we will put on our website the, the contacts for the UK 
so people can look those up. But I promised you that we would talk a little bit about what actually happens when you go for a debtor-twice appointment. So shine that little light on it and help if anybody is thinking, or maybe I need to do that, but I would like to know what actually happens before, before I go to it. So let's quickly run that through. The first thing that will happen is someone will actually explain the services to you. And they'll explain those principles of independence, impartiality, confidentiality, the fact that what goes on between you and the advisor stays between you and the advisor and that the advisor is there to support you. But ultimately, the choice about what happens is all in your hands. Like You get to choose whether that solution is right for you. They're not going to judge you. You may be able to speak to an advisor straight away. Often you'll actually have to book an appointment at that time, and there may be a waiting period yeah, before yeah, you can yeah. actually speak to somebody who is a specialist at advisor. So you might be through some kind of triage system. Mm-hmm. And that depends a lot on whether you're going for telephone advice or face-to-face advice. Mm. As I said, face-to-face, there's often a lot of waiting time because there's not as many advisors and it is there's a lot of demand for that. Mm. But you're much more likely to get through to somebody telephone-wise. You may be asked to prepare for your first appointment, and that will be about getting you to complete a statement of your financial affairs. Mm. And that's writing, just writing down in a, on a form that they'll give you what your income is, what your bills are monthly, what your debts are, who they're with, how much they are, and a bit of detail about who's in your household and your household income so that they can get a, an idea of what's going on. They'll also want to know some of the circumstances that led to you being in debt, but like I said, they're not going to judge that. They're just looking to find out what's actually going on. So the more honest and complete detail that you can give at that point, mm. the sooner the advisor will be able to come to the right solution for you. If you hold stuff back, you'll get an incorrect solution. Mm. It's, it's like going to the doctor and not telling them about one of your symptoms because it's kind of embarrassing. Mm. That embarrassing symptom is probably really crucial for for diagnosing the right thing for you. Because because it's not just about sorting out the money. It's about how did you get there and what other approaches can they give you advice on? And if you're not giving them the full information about the way that you arrived there, they can't help you take a different path next time. Yeah, exactly. But also it might be that some of the information that you give, so one of the classic things that happens is people won't tell advisors about all of their debts. They'll withhold one of them because they feel like they're on top of just that one or they, yeah, they have other concerns. So Mm. it will mess up the solution that Mm. you're given. It's much better to be really complete with that. The advisor will check that the financial statement that you've given them is complete and correct with you and they'll go through that with you. They'll look for ways to get you more income and ways in which your costs might be cut that you might not have thought about. So Mm. they will help you with that budgeting side. But once they've done that, they'll explain your options. Ultimately, as I said, the choice is yours. We ran through a couple of the different options at the beginning, so I won't go back through those. It depends a lot on the types of debt and how serious it is. But that's where the specialist knowledge comes in for your particular solution, your particular type of debt. And the next step really depends on whether it's a self-help situation or whether it is a situation where what you call casework, where they'll take over this for you. If it's self-help, the advisor will explain what you should do, how to go about it, and then you take that information, you go off and do it. And they might give you form letters and things like that that you can use to complete that. If it's casework, the advisor will get permission from you and you sign permission to act on your behalf and they'll contact your creditors for you and they'll take over managing everything for you. And then what usually happens is the creditors are contacted either by you or the advisor who'll 
take that financial statement that you've completed and use it as evidence that the creditors need to freeze interest, stop adding additional charges, and from there on, the negotiation will take place and they'll start putting in place whatever the rest of that solution is to to fix your debt problem in a reasonable time frame and actually get you out of that problem debt and back on an even keel. Does that all make sense? <laughs> yeah, no, it does. And it's kind of, you know, I just had no idea what happened, no idea the stuff was available. You know, a lot of people don't. And yeah. there's a lot of people who, um, you know, I kind of feel like I shouldn't need this, you know, and I, I fortunately don't. But that feeling will be very pervasive. And, you know, it's it, this sort of help isn't for me. Yeah. But, it, you know, it is freely available and for everyone. So yeah, it's... it really is for everybody. Yeah. I think I think that, there's a slight snobbery, I think, around mm. getting debt advice, yeah. which I don't want to... I mean, I'm not saying if you didn't think it was for you, you're automatically a snob, but I mm. think some people are quite snobby about the idea of debt advice, yeah. that it, it's only for, for those people. And that, again, can be an off-putting thing. But actually, if you need it, you need it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just go for it. Just go for it. The hardest thing is probably just getting on the list. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's the hard thing done, and then you just wait for them to call you. Yeah. Just pick up the phone if it's National Deadline or Step Change and, and speak to them or, yeah, get yourself on the list when it comes to any of the face-to-face places. And debt advisors, I spend a lot of time with them. They're mostly really lovely people. <laughs> so, yeah, don't be afraid. <laughs> You've been listening to Squanderlust, a podcast about the emotional side of money. Your hosts were Martha Lawton and Alex Lemon. You can find us online at squanderlustpod.com where we'll put links to show notes, books and articles we mention, and other interesting things. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover or you have a story to tell about something you've heard here, get in touch through the website. If you enjoyed Squanderlust, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and rate us too. The more stars you give, the happier we get. And don't forget to tell your friends about us. Squanderlust is sponsored by Wardour Studios in Fitzrovia, London, with production by David Smith, Charlie Brandon King, Tom Berry and Alicia Cunningham. Our theme music is by Wardour Studios and graphic design by Jason Reed. Thanks for listening. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamline my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. 